Hello and welcome to the Particular Baptist Podcast. This is the first time we are doing this live. Uh, we were going to do it on Facebook and YouTube, but there were some issues with the YouTube uh, stream, so we're going to be just doing it on Facebook today, and hopefully we'll get that worked out. But uh, but yeah, so we're doing it live today. And uh, before we get started, as always, be sure to check out our blog. Um, at the particularbaptist.net. You can see it at the bottom of the screen there. Uh, we up, try to upload there weekly. Uh, we just did a video or a, a blog post on uh, provisionism. So be sure to check that out. Um, and with that, I'll turn it over to Sean to introduce our topic. Yeah, so today uh, it's gonna be a shorter episode. We're just gonna uh, walk through a, a devotional prayer from the Valley of Vision, which is a, a Puritan prayer book, a book of Puritan prayers. Uh, so we're going to walk through that, um, talk about the significance, talk about the biblical underpinnings of the prayer. And um, yeah. Uh, so do you want to get started on that, Dan? Yeah. So we're going to start off looking at um, a passage in the Valley of Vision in the beginning section. Um, if you have the, uh, I think this is the original 1970s or 1980s version, paperback, uh, it's page eight. It's called The Mover. It says, O supreme moving cause, may I always be subordinate to thee, be dependent upon thee, be found on the path where thou dost walk and where thy spirit moves. Take heed of estrangement from thee, of becoming insensible to thy love. Thou dost not move men like stones, but dost endue them with life, not to enable them to move without thee, but in submission to thee, the first mover. O Lord, I am astonished at the difference between my receivings and my deservings between the state I am now in, in my past gracelessness, between the heaven I am bound for and the hell I merit, who made me to differ but thee, for I was no more ready to receive Christ than were others. I could have not begun to love thee hadst thou not first loved me, nor been willing unless thou hadst first made me so. Oh, that such a crown should fit the head of such a sinner, such high advancement be for an unfruitful person. Such joys for so vile a rebel. Infinite wisdom casts the design of salvation into the mold of purchase and freedom. Let wrath deserve be written on the door of hell, but the free gift of grace on the gate of heaven. I know that my sufferings are the result of my sinning, but in heaven both shall cease. Grant me to attain this haven and be done with sailing. And may the gales of thy mercy blow me safely into harbor. Let thy love draw me nearer to thyself, wean me from sin, mortify me to this world, and make me ready for my departure hence. Secure me by thy grace as I sail across the stormy sea. So we see here um, that the author, in, and I don't think that any of the Valley Visions actually describe any specific authors of these, but that they're Puritan prayers. But we see that the author of this prayer is very much affirming God's sovereignty and meticulous providence in all things um, and asking for God to give him grace, him or her grace, as they live their life and, and desire to please God more. And they see this as, uh, as very important to understanding providence in the correct way. And, and why is the fact that we are not able to move without God so comforting to us as believers? We see that the writer here finds great comfort in that, that God does control all things, that God is the first mover of all that uh, comes to pass, including what we do. 
And we see in Isaiah 10, 14 and 15, Isaiah 10, 14 and 15. Got to pull it up here. Got my not using an electronic Bible today. Isaiah 10, 14 and 15. So this is where God is declaring the judgment that will come upon Israel. The, he is raising up the Assyrians to bring judgment upon them. And the Assyrians, he says that the Assyrians are going to have boastfulness in their hearts. He says in uh, Isaiah 10, My hand has found like a nest the wealth of the peoples as one gathers eggs that have been forsaken. So I have gathered all the earth. And there was none that moved a wing or opened the mouth to chirp. This is the Assyrians boasting in their in their pride of what asserting that they are the ones who were doing these things of their own power. And God says, Shall the axe boast over him who hews with it, or the saw magnify itself against him who wields it, as if a rod should wield him who lifts it, or as if a staff should lift him who is not wood? So God is saying here that. He is the one causing them to move. They cannot move without him. It's not in the nature of an axe to move itself, so therefore it would not be in the nature of a human being to move his or herself. And so that meticulous providence down to God even causing the acts that we do is where the writer of this prayer in the Valley of Vision finds their rest and their peace. And we also see this in Acts 17, 28. Where Paul says that in him, that is in God, we live and move and have our being. And because we cannot move of our own volition, of our own power, God must be the one who is causing us to move if we are truly in him, um, if we are truly moving in him. So we find this rest and this peace in that uh, providence that God brings. So that means that there's nothing outside of his control or his providence that all of those things that God has decreed will come to pass and his promises will never fail. And not one event is going to fall outside of his, uh, his plan or his purpose or, or his power. Uh, the book of Hebrews says that Christ upholds the earth or upholds the universe, I should say, by the word of his power. Everything is held together and comes to pass because God deems it to be so. So, you have to think about what lack of certainty there must be in a worldview that does not see God in this way. How can there be comfort in knowing that God can only work um, with the hand he's been given, so to speak, or that he didn't see something coming, that God is having to now catch up with the events in, in that, are, that men are doing and that are happening in the world and having to excuse me, respond accordingly. That's not a God that is controlling all things that is working out his purposes he can't because he's dependent upon his creation to do so he can't work out his purpose that is above and beyond his creation so there's no certainty in this worldview something else must be outside of god that is causing something that causing these things to be and then our worship should ultimately be for that being or that power if that is the case but we don't see that we see very clearly um even in our Confession of Faith, the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith, chapter 2, paragraph 3, says, Which doctrine of the Trinity is the foundation of all our communion with God and comfortable dependence on him? So who God is, is really the foundation of, every, of all of our peace and all of our rest. And that all comes from God. Even his word comes from him. 
and it carries the same authority because it comes from God himself who undergirds all of these things. So we can be certain that God's promises will come to pass. We can be certain that God will work out all that he says he will work out in his word. We see, uh, we see uh, this in Psalm 73, 25 through 26, this comfort that is brought uh, with God, resting in God's power says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So the psalmist is finding his rest in God. He's finding his peace in God. But this is a God that does not fail in his promises, a God that is not dependent upon his creation, but the, the creator of the universe himself who will accomplish his purposes. Uh, in this world. Now, Sean, I know uh, you had some things you wanted to add as well. Yeah, I have, I very much appreciate how well balanced um, this is because um, Calvinists in general get a lot of criticism um, for saying that we believe that God is uh, meticulously um, uh, predestined everything that comes to pass. Uh, so people will have an issue um, with well, how can how can man be responsible? You're you're saying God is responsible for all sin, and you're leaving the creature blameless. But obviously, the, the very Calvinistic author of this um, this uh, prayer does not think so, because he he talks about um, God's providence, but goes on to say how vile he actually is. Um, Oh, Lord, I am astonished at the difference between my receivings and my deservings, between the state I am now in and my past gracelessness, between the heaven I am bound for and the hell I merit. Who made me to differ but thee? For I was no more ready to receive Christ than the others. I could not have begun to love thee hadst thou, first, hadst thou not first loved me, or been willing unless thou hadst first made me so. So the, the author has no problem. It's, it's perfectly balanced. Um, he has no problem, he or she has no problem uh, recognizing that despite the fact that it is God who's the one uh, who's made to differ, that uh, he is still responsible for his own sin. Um, the who made me to differ, that's a direct allusion to 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Um, for who maketh thee to differ from one another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? The point being that anything we have, anything that we are, has come from God. So why should we go around and boast as if we, had, uh, as if we hadn't received it, as if we are independent in of ourselves? Um, we are not independent in of ourselves. Um, thus, we cannot, we cannot boast in that way. But we can still give glory to God who um, has caused us to differ. We are still responsible for our sin. We are still evil. Um, there's, uh, there's, there's no one else to blame except for ourselves, for our own actions. We are evil by nature. But God has caused us to differ. Um, and ultimately, that has to be all for the glory of God. Um, this, this prayer is a uh, prayer that brings glory to God. Um, uh, this is, uh, this reminds me of first Peter four. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability, which God giveth that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ 
to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Um, whatever we're doing um, in the ministry, whatever in, in life in general, uh, we have to do it to the glory of God. And we as Christians uh, should love that. It should be our uh, highest achievement, not for our own glory, but for his. Amen. Amen. And that's really the glory of uh, the system that we we subscribe to that we find in scripture is God's glory is preserved. Man's glory is not. Um, God is the one who uh, receives all the glory because he is the one who ultimately does these things. So we have to, um, we have to rest in that. And we find great comfort in that. Like, like the psalmist did, God is the strength of his heart and his portion is forever because he finds us resting God and what scripture has revealed about God and who he is, um, leaves no room for conforming God to being like us, bringing him down somehow to our level that we can comprehend him, um, ultimately speaking. But we rest in the, the God of the universe who sustains the universe by the word of his power. Nothing that befalls it happens by chance. Um, and the way we can tie this back to even this time of year during this Christmas season, we see Christ being prophesied in the old testament we see in isaiah um even early on in isaiah i think isaiah chapter 9 isaiah chapter 12 isaiah 53 we see christ being described very clearly in that he was going to come he was going to redeem his people from their sins there would be this remnant of israel that would come and christ would be the one who would uh, bind them together so to speak so we see god prophesying Christ coming long before he would come and God ensuring through time that his plan would come to pass. Not only that Christ would be born and that Christ would take on human flesh, but that he would die on a cross and pay for the sins of his people. So we can take great comfort in knowing that because of who God is, he is the one who has decreed everything to come to pass he is the one who works out his providence. He is the mover behind all things that happen. Nothing falls outside of his control. That applies most importantly to the gospel. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life on our behalf for his people, satisfying the wrath of God, all part of God's plan leading up to Jesus dying on the cross, even down to the meticulous details as Jesus's bones would not be broken. That even down to the Roman soldiers gambling away his cloak. That was all part of God's uh, prophetic plan. So we can praise God that he has preserved um, his promises, that Christ died for our sins because God brought it about. It was not something that he had to uh, fix on the fly because of the, the evil devices of men. He brought his promises uh, to fruition, and we can take great joy in that. And during this Christmas season, we can rejoice that God was working out his plan and his providence to bring uh, his people to himself through the birth of his son. Um, and we praise God for that. But it ties back to who God is and resting in the unchangeable, immutable God. That is where we find our rest and our peace. Um, and we hope that during this Christmas season that uh, you find your rest in your peace in Christ. Um, not only for those Christians who are listening who 
um, who may be struggling with all of the things going on in this world. You know, we have coronavirus, we have uh, the results of this election, we have uh, the, seemingly the world is falling more and more into uh, paganism. But we can rest in that God will bring about his purposes and that Christ will come again and take us from this. Justice will be served on all the wrongs and evil will be, will be crushed. And we can rest in that. But that only will happen if God is who the scripture says he is. Um, because God will bring about his purposes because they are grounded in himself. And we can rest in that. So take heart, Christian. Um, and if you are not a believer and are listening, we pray that the Lord will prick your heart, that you would turn from your sins, believe in Christ alone for your salvation, and, and rest in the promises of this God who will save his people from their sins and bring them into final glory and rest um, on that last day. So we, we hope that uh, you will be encouraged and uh, that you will stay blessed this Christmas season and remember that our God brings about his promises because of who he is. And Sean, do you have anything else you want to add? Ah oh, no, that was a that was a beautiful closing there, Dan. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Got, the all gospel right. is always beautiful. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have to, for today. Today was a short, um, a short podcast. Next week, we're Lord willing, we'll have Pastor Steve Clevenger back on the show to finish up our discussion on Reformed Baptist life. And I think we're going to do this live um, again next week. This seems to have worked really well. Um, so yeah, that's what our plan is for next week. Um, so thank you for listening today and have a great Christmas weekend and Lord willing, we'll talk next week. God bless you all.